uh, Isla and I and David were down in Guatemala, and I'll actually be preaching this morning to some of our Guatemala Christian brothers and sisters as well as our uh, group from Preston Crest. We're getting ready to start a great campaign week, but I wanted to let you know this morning you are in for a real treat. Um, one of my best friends, uh, a guy that I love and respect very much, Ron Freitas, is with us today. He is currently the Associate Director of Great Cities Missions. They plant churches all across Latin America. Uh, but personally for me and for Isla, he and his wife Georgia were, were a big, big part of why we ended up uh, doing mission work in Brazil. We felt the call of the Lord, um, and he sent that call through Ron and Georgia, who were the first people to ever suggest to us that we needed to go and plant a church in a foreign country. And God kind of took it from there and put a lot of other things together. But Ron and Georgia, um, thank you so much for the influence you've had on our lives. Um, the script of our lives could not have been written without you. And Ron and uh, Georgia are some of the most uh, faith-sharing people I know. They love telling people about Jesus. I have seen them lead so many people in Brazil and in the U.S. to Christ. And so I'm excited about what he's going to bring this morning. And he'll be back tonight to bring another message. So I hope you guys can come back for that. Um, go get him, Ron. Good morning, Preston Crest. It's great to be here. Um, George and I were excited to come back, and um, through the years we've gotten to know a lot of people here. We've been here several times and always enjoyed it when we could uh, be here with, with you all, and, and really excited about being here today. Excited, too, to hear about all the missions all over the world and different places and in our country, and uh, the things going on here in, in your own neighborhood, and that's really exciting to see a church that's sharing Jesus, being a light, doing good things, and trying to make a difference in the world for Christ, and I really, really like that. Let's the, the second slide. I might as well get that over with. Um, uh, look at that picture, would you? What do you think of that? Huh? Isn't that cute? Even Gordon's cute. Um, but, uh, man, that, that takes us back. George and I, way back, we were both sponsored by Alameda in Norman, Oklahoma as missionaries. And when George and I were there, we came home from Brazil for a, a break, raising funds for land in a building in Curitiba, Brazil. And um, we got to know Gordon and I even better. I think we knew him before that, but Gordon was, he was kind of like the campus intern on OU's campus. And then he was also working on his PhD, and Isla was real active at Alameda. And we got to know him, and, and the elders asked us to launch these, these cell groups all over uh, Norman and different places. So we did that, and that was back in the 90s. And we launched those, and then pretty soon, uh, Georgia and I and, and Isla and Gordon, we teamed up, and we had one at our apartment just before we went back to Brazil, and we were out there in the clubhouse, and it was great. We had this big old clubhouse, and we had this swimming pool out there. And all the OU students would come. It started to look kind of like a small church. You know, we needed to multiply, as they, they say sometimes, in small groups. But after we left, we, we had about 12 groups at Alameda. And uh, what I thought was significant, I wanted to share with you, was, was Island Gordon multiplied that group that we had to the OU campus with all campus leaders. And I think they started eight new groups. And so we, we were up to about 20 groups or so. And that was really exciting to see that, that come out. But we always love being with them and, and working with them, time with them. And uh, Claudia, now I just saw her on her first mission trip. You believe that? 
And David, he, was, he, didn't make that one. he didn't make the grade yet, but he came along shortly after. So great couple, and we've, we've always loved them greatly. You know, um, I was looking at your series on uh, Neighborhood Watch series, and, and uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and, and he said, Jesus said, you know, uh, you need to love the Lord your God. And, and then he comes around and he says, but you also need to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Gordon told me about that series that he did with you all uh, back maybe during the start of the year. And so I got online, and I started listening to it. And I mean, I, I was sitting there one afternoon. It was maybe Saturday, and I thought, i got to listen to these because I, I may go in there and say the exact same thing or probably not quite as good as Gordon, you know. And, but but I, would, I would try. And so I was listening to them, and then pretty soon I had one left. And I went to bed. And I remember the next morning I was going to get up and listen to the last one. I mean, these are like six messages about your neighbors. And all of a sudden I go to bed and I'm dreaming about my neighbors. I mean, it's just like I can't quit thinking about my neighbors. And I hear Gordon talking to me and preaching. And then I hear Bob, he did one of the messages and brought out some more insights. And so it was like, man, what a message. But it was like they were speaking to me like, Ron, you need to get back reaching your neighbors. It was, it was really impacting. But I love the series. It was really good. And I'm really glad to hear that you're thinking about your neighbors, that you're emphasizing that, that in some way that we could be a, a good influence, that we could touch their lives because God has made such a difference. Jesus has made such a difference uh, in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to go to 1 Peter um, 3. Now look, on the outline, I don't know how I did this, Bob, but I put 1 Peter 3, it was supposed to be 15, and I have... 1 Peter 3 1. So just put a 5 on that if you're going to take notes. Now, I thought of something that you might, maybe, you know, you, you would like this, but 1 Peter 3 1 says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And I thought, well, I could preach on that. Do you want to, like, raise hands and we'll see if you like that one better? And maybe I could preach on that and uh, see what you think. The guys are all going, yeah, let's preach about that. But uh, I'm just kidding. So, so we're at 3, 1 Peter 3, chapter 15, verse 15. It says, But in your heart set, up, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone that asks you the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so Peter's talking there in a, in a section about suffering for doing good. And, and as he gets down there, he says, but, but always set apart Christ in your hearts. And, and he talks about, in the, in the new NIV, I think there's two versions. In this one, the earlier one says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And it literally, literally means set apart. Set Christ apart. And as you, as you think about that, it's the idea, he is holy. And so we set him apart because he's special in our lives. He's, he's different than most of the things or all of the things that we have in our lives, the things that we do in our life. He is so special that we set him apart as holy, and he's not the same. And so some other ideas that I, I looked at, we respect him, we're in awe of him, and we think and, and are so thankful for what he's done for us. And so in everything that we do, we would act toward him as 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 our Lord, as being holy. And, and we also ob obey his teachings as, as his disciples, as we, we follow him. 
And so those are some of the ideas that we think about that we need to remember that we're blessed to know Jesus. Personally, I am really blessed because Christ came into my life, because I was able to go from one, one, one stage of my life that I needed Christ when I realized that, and when Jesus came into my life, I was never the same again. And so he changed my life, and he's the Lord of my life. And so like we talked about, like you talked about in the Neighborhood series, when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, that's something I'm going to do. Just like I'm so thankful the way that he's changed my life, I'm going to share that with other people in some way so that they too may have an opportunity to hear about him. When we think about what this means, um, and, and we're thinking about our neighbors and how we want to reach out to them, we just need to remember a couple things that probably impacted all of us. I, th I think one thing I like is it says people need the Lord. People need the Lord. And so we know in Romans 3.23, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that just means we're, we're just different than God. We're, we're, we, we, were, we are separated by our sin, and we can't attain the level that God is for us as being holy, and Jesus is uh, in, in our lives. And so people need the Lord, and we need to remember that. I think sometimes we just kind of forget you know, we're, we, we have Christ in our life, and, and uh, he's, he's made an impact, and at different times, we probably connect deeper with him, but sometimes maybe we kind of forget about other people, at least I do. And the second idea says people matter to God. If you want to fill that in on your outline, people matter to God. And so if we had time, we could go back in the, the Old Testament, and we could go through there, and we could see that all that God did to reach out to share the good news with us. All that he did to bring Jesus here and all that he did in our lives so that we could know Christ and have all the blessings that we have. And so people matter to God. And we, we need to remember that when Jesus said, love your neighbor uh, as yourself. I like this down here. It, it's in the, uh, a different version of the Bible. But he says, it kind of explains it really well. It says, but in your hearts... Set apart, set Christ apart. Then he explains how. As holy, acknowledging him, uh, giving him first place in your lives as Lord. I like that a lot because he explains what that means to, to uh, put him first, to set him apart, and to follow him. Another idea that I wanted to look at in the same verse, in, in the second part of it, I like to think about, remember always to be prepared. And so in this same verse, in the second part, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, for the hope that you have. And so he, he says, always, always be ready. Always be prepared. He doesn't say sometimes or if something happens. I don't know, a lot of times I think when I, when I think back, when, when I was first thinking about, Man, I'm supposed to share too with people, but I remember I used to be so nervous and I would think, well, man, what if they ask me something I don't know or I don't know what to say or it happens on the spur of the moment? I'm that kind of person that has to kind of be ready, you know? Well, well, it's just the idea of giving it some thought, thinking about it. If someone asks me, you know, the reason, why, why do I follow Christ or what difference does Christ make in your life? Or I notice the way that you live and uh, the things that you do 
and uh, I'd like to know why. And, you know, just kind of have a little idea of how could I share that in, in my words, in the way that, that, that I think, the way that I speak to people and the people that I hang out with. And so he says, if you want to fill that in, he says, we're always to be ready, prepared to give an answer to everyone. Everyone, in the second part, to give a reason for the hope that you have. So the reason for the hope that we have. And so I think it's just the idea, as Peter talks to us, that we want to be prepared. We want to give it some thought about that, how I could share that and be ready and able to share why we are disciples of Christ. Why do I follow Jesus? Why is he set apart in my heart? And so some of the questions I was thinking about, why do I follow him? Why is he important to me? What has he done in my life? What do I believe he will do in the future? And so we can look at those kind of, think about those kind of questions, and that might help us to tune in how I might share a little something about Christ in my life. And so good neighboring should include both demonstration and proclamation of the truth. Both demonstration and proclamation of the truth. Now I think, I think we're pretty good at demonstrating Jesus to others. I mean, we do, we do good things. I mean, just this morning when we heard about all the mission trips, that's, that's fantastic. That's phenomenal to think about all the people's lives that are going to be touched with all of those people going and being in all those different places. I love it. But I think also we need to be sure that as we go out and demonstrate our faith, somewhere along the way we, 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 ha we have a way of trying to get an opportunity to share about Jesus too. To really say, that's why I'm here. You know, that's what Jesus has done for me. And that's why we're doing these good things uh, here, here today for you. And so I think it's like we, being a good person, I was thinking of it this way, is not enough. To just be a good person, I think people might think, well, he's a good person, uh, George is a good person, and so that's all it takes. If I'm a good person, then that's sufficient. But they really don't understand that I'm a good person, or I'm trying to be a good person, because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done in my life, because of what Jesus has taught me through his word, that, that, that I'm going to be a person that follows him, and that's what made a difference. That's the biggest difference that has happened in my, my entire life as I think back to my life. And so, good neighboring should include both demonstration and proclamation of the truth. Well, let's take a few minutes here. I forgot to look at the clock. There it is. Um, how do I share what matters the most? And I, I'm just going to share a few ideas, and I think they'll be up there, and they're on the outline. Uh, one, of the, one of the evangelistic type books about sharing talks about that when we go out, we all have different styles. We have styles because of our personalities. And um, so there's about I think there's six styles here. Now, I want you to hear them. I'm not going to spend much time. We're going to look at some of these tonight, and we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on that about those styles and how they play out. i got to quit touching right here. And, and how they play out, and, and we'll, we'll dig in a little bit deeper if you can be here tonight. And so the idea is confrontational. It's like Peter in Acts chapter 2. He stood up with everybody there, and he told the, the life of Christ, 
And he said, this Christ is the Lord, and he's the one that you crucified. Man, that, that was pretty bold. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know be willing to do that. I, I hope I would. But, but what I want to point out is that was his style. It was his style to stand up and speak what was on his mind. Intellectual, Paul and, and Silas, they arrived in, in Thessalonia, and it said that they, they spent some time there with them, and they reasoned with them in the synagogue from the Scriptures. And so they were, they were more intellectual at that time. They came in, they evaluated where people were at, and they had some intellectual conversations about what, you know, how, how does that look, and connecting them to God in the Scriptures. The third example is testimonial. I really like this one, the blind man, in John 9, 25. And you remember uh, Jesus was uh, walking along and he saw the blind man and uh, the disciples asked him a question. Is he blind because of his sin and his, you know, born in sin or because of his parents? And, uh, and, and he said, no, he, he's blind because what's going to happen now, he kind of said it in my own words, is going to glorify God. And I love this, this story. It makes me laugh. Because then Jesus makes that clay, and he puts it on his eyes. He tell him, tells him to go wash it off, and then he can see. He can see. And so the people are looking at him. Is this the same guy? Well, the, the kid that grew up here that was blind? And they said, no, no way. That's not him. And so they begin to ask him questions. How, did you, how come you can see now? And he starts giving his testimony. He says, well, this man named Jesus came, and he put this clay on my eyes, told me to go wash, and then I could see. And they go, no way. So then they take him to the leaders, the religious leaders, the same thing. And they go, well, how did that happen? And he said, what happened to you? How come you can see? And he has another testimony with these religious leaders. And he said, I don't know, but this man Jesus came. He made this clay, put it on my eyes. I went and washed, and I could see. And so he, he goes down through there, and I love the story. Because he gives probably witnesses about five times. And he says, they said, well, who do you think he is? And he says, well, I think he's a prophet. And then the leaders just go nuts. They go, no way. He's, he, he's not a prophet. And then he gets down to the end and they go, they go to his parents. Remember that? I, was gonna, I wanted to get that in there. When they come up to his parents and they said, now, is this your son? And uh, if he is your son, was he really born blind? And they go, Yes. This is what we know. He is our son. He was born blind, but we're not answering any questions. They said, go ask him. He's old enough. And so they go back to him again. They ask him again, well, tell us again, how did this happen? How come you can see? And he said, I'm tired of this. I've already told you enough, and I'm not telling you again. And so he, he's not willing to tell them. And then he goes, well, you guys aren't thinking about following him, are you? And then he comes down to the last part, and he begins to preach to him. He begins to tell him. And uh, I, I, gotta, I like this part. I got to, let me see. It was, uh, let me get over there. John 9. Just let me read the last part. It's so good. So here's, here's, his, here's, his, here's his testimony. Verse um, 30. The man answered, How that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he listens to godly men who, who do his will. No, nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
And so he just lays out a wonderful testimony. And all he's saying is, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is probably the greatest thing that could happen to someone that was blind. And he could see, and he was so excited, and he just, he wouldn't back off. But he wasn't, he wasn't strong. He was just saying, I don't know, but this is what happened. This is the way Jesus has blessed me. This is what happened in my life. This is how it, it came together, and this is why this person's so important to me now. So you have that idea of, being, of, of giving your, your testimony. Um, number The other one, I guess about four, uh, interpersonal, which is Levi. And Gordon preached a great sermon about that, where he told Levi to come follow me, and then Levi threw a big party, and he invited some of the tax collectors and some of, some of his friends, and they all came over, and Jesus went over there with them. And, and Levi just said, let's just get together. Let's just have some people over. We'll all get together. We're all friends. And then I'll have, somehow I'll have some kind of a connection with Jesus. I'll have an opportunity to share him. So it could be uh, interpersonal. Invitational, the Samaritan woman. You know, when, when she encountered Jesus at the well, they had some discussions about uh, spiritual things and who's the prophet to come. And then he told her about her life. He spoke into her life and told her some things that, that no one would know. And then she went back to the city and she said, come and see. She just told the whole city, come and see. Come and see this guy. He said, he told me about some intimate things in my life. He's not the prophet that's to come, is he? He's not the Christ who's to come, is he? And the whole city came out. You remember the story? They came out and uh, they believed because of the testimony. And later they said, we not only believe because of your testimony, but we believe because we encountered Jesus, and now we believe he is the Christ. So there's the invitational. And finally, Dorcas, um, is, uh, she, just, she just said, can I help? And, and she was known as a person who always did good and serving the poor. Always did good and serving the poor. So when you look at those types of styles, I want you to think about what style do you have? What style fits you the best where you might be able, you would be more inclined to be able to share Jesus in some way? What is the style that really connects to you? Everybody has a style, but also what are the other styles that you might be able to share using those styles because they're not that far from the, way, the, the person that you are and then the second thing that you want to think about is the people that you, you are with. What are their style? What is the way that you could reach or touch them and share a little bit about Jesus and the difference that he's made in your life? Because we can't limit ourselves to one style. We can't say, this is the only way that I'm going to do it, but we can be in prayer and we can ask God to lead us, the Holy Spirit to lead us and, and start out with a style that really helps helps us to feel comfortable. Number two, reflect on your circle of neighbors. So um, that'll come up there. And all I want to say is we have probably four different groups in our circle of neighbors. We have family, biological relationships, neighbors, geographical relationships, co-workers, professional relationships, and friends, uh, recreational relationships. And so we can think about those people in our life. Who are the special people in our life 
that need to hear about Christ that I want to share him with when I have the opportunity or that I will take the opportunity. You might say, who are the people I have regular contact with? Who are the people that were on a first-name basis? Who are the people that I've spent enough time with that now I can probably share something with them about Jesus Christ? And so give that some thought. That's a good way to, to uh, look at that, the, the idea of how do I share what really matters the most. Consider a few styles, and then think about our circle of neighbors. And finally, try to connect Jesus, try to connect them to Jesus, I wanted to say, and to uh, other Christians that, we, that I hang out with, and to the church. And so we have a lot of events. I was looking at your, your uh, brochure this morning, not your brochure, but your bulletin, and um, man, you guys have a lot of events, and those are good because it's not the idea to have an endless amount of events necessarily, but what I'm saying is we can look at people that we know and we can think about what are the needs that they have in this moment in their life. Because things change. We, we've all been around long enough, and we know that life's kind of like this, up and down. And so there are certain moments that we can reach out to share with people and encourage them. And so um, we might think about things like marriage class, family, parenting, finances, celebrate recovery, a new sermon series that might speak right to someone's heart because you know where they are. We're the ones that know them. We're the ones that have this relationship, and we should be able to discern with God's help what is something powerful that we could share in a certain moment in their life when they need it. And so we could give that some thought of connecting them to our neighbors and uh, to Jesus, uh, other neighbors, and to other Christians and the church and through different events and opportunities that we have. The last part that we see here, I think it's important to remember how you share Jesus. And so coming down to the last part of that, it says, but do this with gentleness and respect. And so he says, be ready to give her a response, but do it with gentleness and respect. Think about those people and think about what's the best way to communicate with them. Again, you know them. They're the ones closest to you. You can share your story and those type of things that, that you talked about in the neighboring. You know, I was thinking about one time um, our, my uh, father-in-law, Pete Giannopoulos, he came to Brazil to visit us. And he came more than anybody. He didn't want us to go to Brazil. And then after we went, he came every, more often to visit us. And he came and went on a, on a sports, uh, sports thing with my sons, an event uh, in another city. They went to northern Brazil. And I remember as they went there, um, this guy came up to him, and he was probably a coach, and he was probably some kind of a missionary. And he came up to him, and he said, If Jesus came back today... Do you know without a doubt that you would go to heaven? What a question, huh? But the thing was, it made my father-in-law mad. I mean, it really made him irritated. And he responded negatively towards that person. And then he got home and he started telling us. This guy came up to me and asked me that. And he said this to me. I don't even know who he is. And he walks up to me and he says, If Jesus came back today, and, and uh, would you know without a doubt that you would go to heaven? And he said, How would I know that? How could I just say that? And so he, it, it didn't go good. And so that's the idea. 
what are ways that we can communicate to our friends and share with them in a way that is gentle, a way that shows respect for them, for where they're at, and how much I value them, how much I love them, and care about them. There's a book called um, Out of the Salt Shaker and uh, Into the World, Out of the Salt Shaker, Into the World, and a, and a lady named Rebecca Pippert did a, a review of the book, and I just want to read this last thing. She says, we need to study and have answers for our beliefs, but we also need to meet people where they are. We need to value them. We need to work with them from their belief systems and then lead them to Christ. Evangelism, if, if you like to use that, that word, or good neighboring, isn't a program. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle where as I go and live out my life, that I'm going to be conscious of my friends around me and share Jesus with them. And so we can share our story. We can, we can pray for opportunities and uh, effective sharing all, always depends on prayer. I remember one time when I first went on a campaign uh, while I was in training school, and um, I'd never been out, you know, just kind of trying to share my faith. That's one of the reasons I went to that school. I wondered, well, how, how could I learn to share the good news with people? And so we went there, and we were in Illinois, and we would go after, after the semester, and that's how we'd get our our practicum, our training. So we'd go out and we would do door knocking, which um, uh, that wasn't too much fun, but it worked sometimes. And, uh, and I wouldn't want to try it today probably, but we'd go out and we'd do door knocking and then we'd say, hey, we have a one-time study. It takes an hour and we'd like to share from God's Word. And maybe you have some questions and, and we hope that might be helpful. So I'd like to see if you'd like to set up a time to do that. Also at night, we have a guest speaker from somewhere, and he'll be here tonight, and he'll be speaking about these types of things. If you're interested, would you, would you like to do that? So that's, our, that's what we would say. And I remember this is my, my first day, and I'm just petrified. And we're going down the street, and it's kind of like, oh, nobody's home. Let's go. <laughs> Let's forget that. You know, nobody's there. Thank you, Lord. Nobody's there. So I don't have to, I don't have to say anything, you know. And so, hi, I'm Ron Ferguson. We're doing this, you know. So we'd laugh. But, but I remember I knocked on the door, and this mom opened the door. She was just a young gal. And she had two or three little kids. They were just little ones. And I kind of told her, you know, oh, you are here, you know. And so I started in and shared with her. And she said, you're not going to believe this, but I've been praying that God would send somebody here to study with me because I can't leave the house with all my little kids. And I was like, what? What? You know? It was like, it like took, me, took me back. But what a great experience. And we set up a study, and I took one of the ladies back with me. We studied with her. She set up to be baptized on Wednesday night. We were already gone. And then I think I heard later her, her, uh, her husband got baptized and, and they were working on their marriage and everything, and I hope it was a great blessing. But now, 30 years later, I wonder what happened. I don't know. It's in God's hands. But I hope it impacted them greatly. I hope it made an impact in their lives. I hope their children were blessed by God through that day when their mom made that decision. And so effective sharing of Jesus is always dependent on prayer. I'm going to put up this last thing and... and I wanted to ask you to, to think about making a covenant. You know, I was thinking about, I've heard this in different ways, but, you know, we, we like do contracts, you know, buy a house, it takes 30 years, and uh, if you're really on it, you might get it down to 15. 
and uh, get it paid off quicker or whatever. And then uh, some people, and then, um, you know, we make contracts on cars. It used to be three years. Now it seems like it's five to seven. And then we make contracts. We bundle our internet and telephone if we still have an in-house telephone. And I think sometimes it's good to make a covenant about our faith, too. And so here's a, here's a covenant, and it says that we can think about, realizing that God has called me foremost to love him and my neighbor, I make the following commitments. Motivated by love and gratitude for what God has done in my life, I want to be involved in sharing Christ with others. I share the belief that people need the Lord, and as lost people matter to God, they will matter to me. I'm committed to demonstrating God's love to my neighbors, to those around me, and sharing the good news of the gospel as often as I have opportunity. I will work to cultivate relationships within my circle of neighbors with the goal of blessing them and, and sharing Christ. I will introduce my neighbors to Christ, my Christian friends, and my church who will help me bless my neighbors. By the grace of God and His glory, I will commit my entire life to obeying His great commission of Matthew 28, 18 through 20, uh, wherever and however it leads me. I'd like to encourage you to, to consider that this morning, that as you think about sharing what really matters, that you would make a commitment to God, that you would pray about it, and just see where God leads you and see what opportunities you have. This morning, if, um, if you've been studying or thinking about your life and the spiritual needs that you have, and maybe you need to invest in that part of your life, and you're ready to do that, we always like to have an invitation so that you can respond and that you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. Or if you're thinking about where you are in your life and, and making a commitment to really loving your neighbor and sharing the good news, and, and maybe you want prayer to be able to do that, we want to ask you to come as we stand and sing.